0: you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Well, good morning. It's uh, great to see everybody on the campus today and those joining us online, wherever you might be. Glad that we are together. Grab your Bible or turn on your digital device. Uh, We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in our Bible study this morning. This is our last message in the series called called Signs. And, uh, you know, along the way, the words of Jesus from Matthew 24 and verse 4 he says, Watch out that no one deceives you. That's really what this entire Bible study has been about. Jesus doesn't want you, doesn't want me deceived. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is God's sign to us. When we read it, when we meditate on it, when we apply God's word into our life, it becomes the ultimate sign to guide and direct us. Everything that we know about God is from this word. Everything that we've experienced about Jesus is in this word. It is the ultimate sign in guiding us in the life that we live today. And hear me, as we wind this Bible study down, this series has not been intended to to give a sign to predict something that's going to happen on this particular day or this particular country or this particular event. Jesus said, listen, He doesn't even know the time. The Spirit doesn't know the time. Only God the Father knows when Jesus is coming again. So it's not about us predicting. It's about us becoming aware. It's about us preparing understanding. Remember, Jesus said this. He said, if you knew that a bad guy, a thief, was going to break into your home at night, you would change your behavior you would wait up. You would get the the dog. You'd get the gun. You would be prepared for the bad guy coming in. That's what he wants us to know. He wants us to understand being prepared matters. And then he talked about how in the times of Noah, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 6, that people in those days were going about in their everyday lives. You're going about your everyday life. The Bible says they were, they were working, and they were getting married, and, and we, right? Some of you are engaged. We'll have a, a, a wedding ceremony later in November that I'll be a part of. Uh, you're anticipating uh, Christmas. We're anticipating 3G. It's not that you stop living. It's that we start living with the anticipation, with the understanding that just like Jesus came the first time, which we don't struggle with. We embrace that there was a star over Bethlehem. It pointed the wise men and the shepherds. And Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. We embrace the first coming. The Bible speaks even more about the second coming of Jesus. That's our Bible study. Not to predict something, but for you and I to be be prepared. And I introduced this timeline uh, that I've been showing for the last uh, several weeks, this biblical events timeline, starting with the rapture, which there is no sign. There's no biblical sign when the rapture would happen. All the signs that we've talked about and the sign we'll talk about this morning all come at the second coming of Jesus. But the second coming of Jesus is precluded by an event called the rapture, seven years earlier. So if we're seeing signs today that seem to be really close to the second coming of Jesus, then we can understand if it's close to then, seven years earlier, the rapture is going to take place, and we've talked about us being, being ready. Now this morning, I, w- I want to talk about a sign that... Uh, isn't everybody's uh, favorite sign uh, when it comes to, to gathering in church. It's, it's, that, it's, that, it's that money sign, right? And if you think about the world in which we live today, the, the, the cashless society, think about this past week and, and how you did business and how, how we do transactions and cryptocurrency and just the whole idea of, of, of a cashless society that we live in in, in today. And could perhaps possibly this be a sign that the Bible describes about this particular end time moment where there's this global leader who will lead the world through what the Bible talks about, this sign on their hand or on their forehead. Now, not to wig everybody out too much this morning, maybe you know of Johan Osterlin. He is a CEO of a, a biotech company in Sweden. And he has perfected the science. In other words, the, the science is in place to insert a microchip into the, the human hand. The science is there, the business plan, the model. Tens of thousands of Swedens already have this model. The next step is, how, do we begin to embr- how does society begin to embrace it? But hang with me for just a moment. Think about this thought. Anybody ever been locked out of their house or can't find their car keys? This this microchip has the ability, when you reach for your door handle at home, it unlocks the car. You already do this with the little fob that you have in your car. You get close to your car and you got the fob in your pocket, and you reach, it already opens up your door. How many of you have you ever forgotten a password? And you've had to send to get a, a new reset password. Imagine having all the passwords to everything in your world on your hand, and not having to remember that particular. Hey, has anybody ever received um, uh, a, an email, and um, you were tempted to open it, but your kids or your grandkids said, "Listen, me, ma, papa, pa, don't open that. It, it, it's it's spam. They're gonna they're gonna hack your." computer has anybody been following this case about uh, this young girl named Gabby who was murdered in Wyoming and they couldn't find Brian right anybody know that there are missing children who to this very day nobody knows where they are uh, imagine living in a world where there was a microchip and there would never would ever be a missing child ever again this science Is in play. Could this be what the Bible talks about in Revelations chapter 13, in verse 16? The Antichrist, the beast, also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast, or the number of its name. We're talking about signs. I'm not predicting anything, and I'm certainly not saying a CEO uh, from Sweden is, is the Antichrist. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is we begin to see patterns. This entire Bible study has been to open up our eyes, not to wig us out but to help us understand we live in unique times and God wants us to be in on what he's doing. Now, I asked you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I introduced this portion to you last weekend. There's some 19 characteristics of how people will be just before Jesus Christ comes again. We're not gonna look at all 19 characteristics. This morning, we're only gonna look at, at One in verse number one, it says, but mark this, uh, there will be terrible times in the last days. Let me just remind all of you, the signs that we're looking at refer to the biblical event of the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you're alive today and you hear my voice, the rapture happens seven years before that. I'm standing before you today. I'm speaking online because I want you to be ready for the rapture. I don't want any of us to be a part of these terrible times that are just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want you to be rescued from it. Remember, I taught you, just like we witness as United States citizens, when the Country of Afghanistan began to flip, and the Taliban began to take control of that country. Our our leaders understood it would not be good for an American citizen to remain in Afghanistan. So an evacuation plan took place. They evacuated U.S. citizens. They raptured the citizens out of. That place, because they knew what was to come would not be good for American citizens. Likewise, your great God, the God who we raised our hands to this morning and we worship, he wants you to know he wants to evacuate you. He wants to rapture you. He doesn't want any of us to go through these terrible times that the Apostle Paul warns Timothy and warns us about in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. We don't have to go through that. People will be lovers of themselves. I talked about that last weekend. Selfish people, splintered families, right? Uh, shattered societies. You can go back and watch that message. What I want us to focus on this morning is this phrase, people will be lovers of money. There's all kinds of variables. There's there's all kinds of variables and and signs. And we, we have not said it all that definitively this is like the moment unlike any other moment and I can predict it. That's not what this Bible study, it's all about us being prepared. But it's hard not to see some obvious trend lines of what's happening in the world today as we watch how the Bible unpacks it. And one thing we can all be confident of is money is gonna be important in the end times. Money was important in the Bible times. Hello, money's important in current times, and money will be important then as well. Think about it, every aspect of our lives is touched by money. You spend most of your life making money, and you wanna make more money right? And then the other half of your life, you spend spending the money that you just made. It's important to our everyday, everyday lives. So I think it's, it's, it's safe to say in our Bible study this morning, this sign of, of money will be important when Jesus comes again, and we need to take some time and to look at it. Because the Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 3, in these end times, it's a sign, it's a trend line that people will be lovers of money. So let, let's talk about it for just a second and then have some action steps for you and I to apply in our life. N- number one, if you're taking notes, is, is we see it, right? There is an addiction to money. Uh, w- there are a lot of different of addictions, but when you pull it all back, the ultimate addiction is, is money. We're all looking for something to hang our head on, and you feel better about yourself when you got more money. It drives a lot of our decisions. It drives whether or not you take this job or that job or this career as you as you encourage your children to go and get uh, education it 's all about money because if they have a certain education, a certain degree, they 'll make mo money. Listen to what the Bible says in first Timothy chapter six. For the love of money is a root. Of of all kinds of evil. The Bible does not say that money is evil. There's nothing wrong with money. I'm glad you got money in your pocket. There's nothing, the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say money is evil. The issue is me loving money. Me putting love putting money at the top of my love list. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but that's true as a pastor. The The number one thing that I see watching people walk away from the faith is money, right? Some of you are watching me from somewhere, place, wherever it might be in the world. You're out in your RV, you're out at a hotel, whatever it is, and there is nothing wrong with being in an RV. There is nothing wrong with being in a hotel. There is nothing Wrong with enjoying life. The question is, what do, who do I love most? So we see it. We see the decisions we make. How about our families? I can tell you that the overwhelming majority of divorces, when they come to my office and we begin to pull back all the things that they're agitated and irritated about, at the root of it, somewhere is a financial piece. It's this, it's this money, this money piece. And think about our culture today with all of the mental illness disease, all of the emotional unhealth, all of the, the stress and problem. We got more money floating around today than we've ever had before. But people are more miserable than ever. That's what addictions do. Anybody who's ever battled addiction, you know more of it Never makes life better. Amen. Never. It just, it's sneaky. It just gets a hold of you. So that's the first thing. It's just a sign. Here's the second thing. And, and this, this might have a little bit of, of political overtones. I certainly don't mean for it to be, but I think it's important for us at least to, to embrace it this morning. Is secondly, is, is what I'm calling the acceleration of inequality. People will be lovers of money in the end times. This is not a discussion on whether or not you've worked hard or someone else hasn't worked less. This is just a graphic. I'm not sure if you can see it well uh, from the back of the room, uh, from the World Forum on Economics. How is the world's wealth shared amongst the population? And you can see here, the chart at the bottom, the blue is the population number and the red coin is the wealth. And basically, you can read it for yourself. You've been hearing it in the news. It's another way that we're being divided, right? That people have money and people don't have money. And this pressure to try to bring equality because of inequality. But you can see the vast majority of the world's population only owns 3% of the wealth. While 0.7% of the world's population has 45% of, of the wealth. People politicians would point to that and say that's inequality. You've heard it on the news that even through this pandemic, CEOs and companies have become wealthier and wealthier and wealthier and the idea of a middle class seems to be getting lost. What am I saying and why Why is this a sign? I'm so glad that you asked. In Revelations chapter 6, listen to this. This is after the rapture. This is as the Antichrist is beginning to take control of the world economy. Verse number five. When the lamb opened the third seal, the lamb is Jesus. He's, he's, he's opening things up from heaven. He's, he's disclosing what's happening on the earth. I heard the third living creature say, come. This is John, John who wrote. John is exiled on an island called Patmos, and he is writing out the book of Revelation. He said, I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in the hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice amongst the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages. He's viewing what's happening on earth. And then he says something that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense until you really understand what the Bible means. And do not damage the oil And the wine. When he says two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley, basically people were working all day long to make just enough to barely feed their family. That's what it's like. After the rapture, the world economy gets to a point in place that basically, and that's actually happening right now, four out of five people in the world today. We're not a part of this, but four out of five people in the world, they have one objective today, to find clean drinking water and food for their families. So it's not a far stretch to see how this would even impact us in the West, that people work hard all day long just to barely make enough food to make enough money to feed their family. But then this statement, and do not damage the oil and the wine. You see, only the wealthy people had the oil. Only the wealthy people had the wine. You got the working class people who continue to have to work harder and harder and harder and harder just to make enough money to feed their family. Then there's the wealthy, and it says, it's not touched. That their growth, their net worth continues to get higher and taller and more along the way. I'm just giving you some signs. I'm not predicting anything. I'm giving us signs to help us understand how we live in this present day. And then let me give you this third thing, and I definitely would say this might frustrate some of you, and just forgive me in advance. I'm certainly not meaning to frustrate anybody, but we are talking about the economy. We're talking about how, at the time that Jesus comes again, there will be a world leader who controls the global economy. And how do we get from where we are today to this point where one man rules the entire world economically you cannot buy you cannot sell you cannot trade you cannot have any type of business interaction without following this world leader's protocol here's the point talking about love of money the addiction of money the acceleration of inequality and here's the third here's the way i wrote it in my notes this week what I'm calling the admiration of politicians for controlling your life. There seems to be an inordinate admiration today towards politicians. I know not for everybody. I got a friend named Chuck, and he's saying, I'm telling you what, no, no politicians telling me what to do. I, I, I'm, not saying every, I'm not saying everybody. But globally, there seems to be this admiration Towards politicians for controlling our life. Human beings want safety and security. And what we began to see in the winter of 2020 was the perception of safety and security was gone. And the human race on the globe began to wig out. And you begin to think about the freedoms that humans gave to politicians because some politician or some scientist instead of being honest and saying we've never been here before we don't know exactly what to do began to say this is what you need to do and then the next week they said no 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 not that you need to do this and then the next week it wasn't that it was it was this and then then this and this and it's 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 still changing to this very day that does not say that there was not a virus. There is a virus. It does not say that 4.5 million people died. 4.5 million people died. But think about it for just a second. The freedoms that have been given out of admiration for politicians of controlling their life. The decisions we've made as a global community, knowing that 99.940% of the population is still alive and has survived the coronavirus. It shows how powerful, it really should open up our eyes. When human beings get to a point and place where they're like, I need someone to protect me. I need someone to, to watch over me. I need to be safe and I need to be secure. And here, take my freedom and in exchange make my life safe and secure. Could this be what the Bible means? In Revelations chapter 13, the Antichrist, the beast, forced all people great and small, rich and poor. How many people this past week have lost their jobs because they didn't do what a politician said in one state compared to another state? Athletes, first responders, nurses, college football coaches. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. So they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast, the number. The vaccination is not the mark. The vaccination doesn't have a chip on the inside of it. That's not it. But I'm hoping you're beginning to see how we can get from where we are today to where the Bible in Revelations chapter 13 tells us that there will be this world leader who will require people to act and live and to worship. If they want to buy, if they want to sell, if they want to exist on this planet, you have to do it his way or Die. Feel encouraged. So, what do we do? How do we, as Christ followers, go forward from here? Here's some good news. Write these things down. This is just raw Bible inspiration. Number one is this is if if, if you really want to go forward, here's the first step. Here's the most important thing you can do starting today: is this consider the cost of following Christ. Consider the cost of following christ you gotta get you gotta get over this i can say a prayer so i buy me some fire insurance because i don't want to go to hell and then i can live however i want to live i can say whatever i want to say i can post whatever i want to post I can, I can i can spend my money however i want to spend we've got to come back to a biblical place where you understand what it means to be a follower of jesus christ and in particular of the cost it did not cost you anything as far as the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus paid for that penalty on the cross at Calvary. His body was put into a tomb, and three days later, he came alive again, and our sins, the cost of human sin, has been paid for. But if you really understood that, it will impact on how you live your life. Listen what the Bible says in Luke chapter 14 in 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Suppose one of you wants to buy a certain piece of land. Suppose one of you wants to start a particular business. Suppose one of you wants to go off to college. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Suppose one of you wants to invest in a particular stock. A mutual fund, an ETF. Suppose one of you wants to go buy a certain kind of vehicle. Won't you sit down and consider the profitability of that stock? The history of that ETF? Won't you sit down and consider that vehicle choice for you? Verse 29, for if you lay the foundation... Oh, let me back up. Suppose one of you waits wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it you get that for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it everyone will see it and ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish started a company they 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 bought a car and they can't make the monthly payments You, you get that it's a part of the world we live in then notice these words in verse 33 Jesus is talking to us Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything uh, you, you have cannot be my disciples. Now, is Jesus against you having a Corvette? No. My goodness, he's not upset at Corvettes. He's not upset about you having a bank account or all these other things. The deal is this. Is the Corvette the highest on your list or is Christ? Is that business? Is that piece of land? Is that hobby? Is that spouse? Are those kids? Is that vacation home? It's all about order. It's first place. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. And then all these things. He's not against all this stuff on the earth. My goodness. God's not a killjoy, but he wants you and I to sit down and consider the cost in the West, in our country, for too long, we sit down when it comes to following God. We're like, "Hmm, let me check out my calendar today." Up, oh, sorry, God, don't I got time for you. When we talk about our money, hmm, let me see. Yeah, I can. I, I, yeah, I make one hundred fifty thousand. Let me tip you with the twenty bucks. Jesus saying, "You got to stop that." If you want to have health and healing, if you want to have the intimacy, intimacy that you want to have with Christ, you got to sit down, consider the cost. of What I meant to follow. Here, let me give you a second thing, is this. you got to determine to be confident. I know, I've, I know we've looked at some signs and you're kind of looking at the world and it's changed and, and all that, but be confident. Hebrews 13 and 5, the Bible says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you that's wealth my friend there's some of you you have a whole lot more money than I do there's some of you who I mean you got land you got businesses you got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of cash but you're not convinced that God's in you with you and for you and you're all wigged out because circumstances situations listen if you got a billion dollars and you're on an island and you got no food and no water. What does a billion dollars? All money does is allows you to buy goods and services. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. That's all money does is let you buy goods and services. But money can't buy you peace with God. Amen. And a whole lot of church going people who were all wigged out. We don't have the peace of God. God, why did you allow this? I can't believe this. It's because if you got really honest for just a moment, you're in love with your money more than you are with Jesus. And we've got to see our confidence doesn't come from my net worth. My confidence comes from Christ. So we say with confidence that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Psalms 27 and 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And God's not against the money, but I'm just saying, the reason some of us don't have the confidence that God wants us to have is because the confidence doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from things. The confidence that you're looking, it comes from that sweet assurance of the depth of Jesus Christ in you and with you. Here's the third thing. want are to write these things down. You just gotta consider the cost of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You gotta make a decision. Make a grown-up decision today. I'm either going to be a follower of Jesus or I'm not. There's no such thing. I don't care what some pastor told you, some priest, some rabbi, your mama, your papa. There is one way to follow Jesus. It's 100% all in. You can't, listen, open up your Bible. There's no place in the Bible that says sort of. On the weekend, tip God along the way. He'll, he'll pat you on the back. There is one way. It's all in. Here's the third thing. Decide this morning. I like this a lot. Which tent you're going to live in? Discontentment or contentment? It's just a decision. You get to make a decision today. You're either going to live in the tent of discontentment, get it? Or contentment. Meant. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10. From the wealthiest man who ever lived on the face of the earth, King Solomon. Whoever loves money never has enough. Are you with me? It's never. Uh, hey, move the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. Five years later, that's not enough. We need 20 bucks an hour. We need 30 bucks an hour. Make yourself $35,000 a year, and that ain't gonna be enough. I need $55,000. Make $100,000, $100,000 is not enough. I need $150,000. I'm just telling you, as human beings, how much money is enough? Just a little bit more. Philippians 4 and 11, the Bible says, I am not saying this, Paul, because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever circumstances I have. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Then that famous verse, right? Here's the context. I can do all things through him, through Christ who gives me strength. Every divorce starts when you became discontented with your spouse. You walked down that aisle, you stood there, everybody's in love. I've been, I've been doing it for 31 years. Do you, oh, do I ever, Pastor? He's so handsome and he just makes me so, oh. Oh, I'm just telling you, I married up. If I hear one more guy talk about how he married up and then he walked out. Every divorce starts living in the tent of discontent. That's why the proverb writer says to the men in the house, be satisfied with the woman of your youth. Number four, if you want to write some things down, is this. Deploy, great Navy term there, deploy for all of our Coast Guard guys, deploy a biblical money management plan. You're like, oh, great. Here we go. The guy up there is going to talk about me giving money right? That's not what I'm going to talk about at all. Here's the deal. The biblical money management plan is this. God owns it. I manage it. See, even even when people, and I get it when pastors and whatever say, you know, give something to the Lord, like, you know, give back to him, it's so unbiblical. What do you mean give back to the Lord? You can't give back what he owns. He already owns it all. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2, the Bible says, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. That, that's why at, at Hope, we deploy a biblical money, ma- money management plan is, is give weekly. We, we don't stand up every week and then show, you know, a picture of, of a child in Africa with the belly swollen and flies flying around and try to touch your emotional. That, that, that's not the Bible. The Bible is about you understanding that everything that you've got belongs to God. Hey, by the way, um, your brain's firing right now, right? Your, your own heart is beating. Did you wake up this morning and say heartbeat? The ability to learn, the ability to understand, the ability to physically be able to go to that job is a gift from God, and so a biblical money management plan comes from the place that, hey, everything that I got, God owns. And if you're asking me in, in, in my life, and in, in Linda's, that, listen, God owns 100% of it. If he's saying to me, hey, listen, Mark, here's the deal I want to work out with you. 100% of what you got, I own. But here's what I'd like to do just so that you kind of keep your mindset in a healthy way, you and Linda go ahead. You guys live on 90%. Give me just 10% just so that I know that you know that, listen, I'm in control of it. I'm like, shazam, that's a good deal. Because God owns it all. All right, let me, let me give you the last thing to write down walking out the door with on this series is simply this. How do we go forward from here is, is when it comes to money, I control it, allowing me to enjoy it. That is a great tip. I control it. You've got to learn how to make your money behave. Your money's not in charge. Your money's not in charge. You've got to tell your money how to behave. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, some of us are still trying to figure that out. Who, who creates your greatest enjoyment? Is it my net worth or is it Jesus Christ? What Paul says to young Timothy is, listen, you got to decide where your hope comes from. You've got to tell your money how to behave. It's one of the things I love about a budget is I, I, I every, every month, I put the money and I say, here's where you're going to behave. You're going to act like this and you're going to do this. You're going to act like this. Hey, 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 hey. You sit up and pay notice, Mr. Benjamin. You're not walking off and doing what you want to do. You sit right here. You're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. Not one of us, not one of us has a money problem. What you got is a discipline problem. You've let your money tell you what to do rather than you telling your money what it's going to do. See, it's the same thing when it comes to following Jesus. Do you know Jesus spoke about money more than he ever did any other topic? It makes no sense why people even get upset in a spiritual setting like this a church for a guy like me talking about money if Jesus talked about it why would I listen I don't show up on Sunday with something to say I show up on Sunday and open the Bible and say here's what God has to say it would be hey maybe the reason so many people who claim to be Christ followers are so jacked up financially is because no one's ever taught them how to live biblical money in their life you see the tension. I don't know where you stand with God, but I believe the story that Jesus loves you and loves me so much that he died on the cross and he was buried. And three days later, he became alive again. And I can tell you for me, as a Marine in Okinawa, Japan, I stepped into that storyline. I didn't understand everything, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I just knew that I had sinned. I came to the conclusion I can't fix my sin. And I received Jesus as my Savior. And it's changed everything about me. The reason my mindset towards money is a particular way is because of my mindset towards salvation. Like, Jesus gave his life and he saved me. To believe that... That Jesus, the Son of God, who knew no sin, became sin for a guy named Mark, died on the cross, and came alive again three days later? For me to believe that, do you know how easy it is for me to believe that he owns all my money? This is hard to believe. That like Jesus was born of a virgin. I ain't got that figured out. This is hard to believe that he was God. He was man, same time, tempted the same way I've been tempted, but he never sinned. He went on the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels to rescue him, but he didn't because he loves me so much. He allowed the torture of the cross because he loves me. That's hard to believe. He took his last breath on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He was dead, D-E-A-D, dead, done. And three days later, he came alive again. That's hard for me to believe. Him, Him owning all my money, that's easy. That's easy. Or maybe the real problem is you really don't believe this over here. Maybe the reason we have a really hard time believing that God owns my money is because, quite frankly, God doesn't own your soul. And maybe today is a day like any other day, that today's the day you need to begin following Jesus Christ and stop being a church attender and being a Christ follower. You want to talk about revival in America? We need less church attenders and we need more Christ followers. (laughs) So right where you're sitting, you don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to get weird or wiggy. We, we don't have to sing some... Hey, right now, just open up your heart. You, hey, Jesus, it's me. I've sinned, and I can't do anything about it. But right here, right now, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you were in a borrowed tomb for three days, and you became alive again. And right here today, I want you to be my Savior. I repent of being just a church goer, church attender. I want to be a Christ follower. And listen, if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, welcome to God's family. I'd like to help you continue to grow. You can use the card at your chair, online, drop a comment in the the comment sections, or you can just text the word today to 63566. Today, 63566. And we will follow up and help you to grow in following Jesus Christ. Welcome to God's family. I know, I know BT, Pastor Brian mentioned, gather, go, give. From the very beginning of Church of Hope, we decided that this was not gonna be a church. Ocala already had plenty of churches. Ocala didn't need another church. What we needed is the kind of place unlike any other place. And 3G got birthed out of that. This idea of next Sunday morning, do not be late. We are starting at eight o'clock. Be here early, be here early, right? We are starting at eight, be here 7.30, 7.45, and uh, we'll be out in the parking lot, wear your blue jeans, your t-shirts, whatever, praying for good weather, even if it's not good weather, we're still going out. Um, and we gather, we're gonna be out in the parking lot, uh, we're gonna have a song or two, we're gonna have communion together in the parking lot, then we're gonna go to all the different projects, work on those projects, three or four hours, it's okay, all you high A personality types, do not go to your project first. You're missing the whole point of the day. We gather as the body of Christ first, we communion together. Then you go to the project. We're hoping you don't get done. The goal is for you not to get done at this nonprofit. Why? Because we don't want 3G to be a one and done. We want it to be a one and continue on. Where you and your small group would go back and continue with other projects. Develop relationships. Develop friendships along the way. Then come back on our campus at 1130. We're going to have some barbecue and just have a really good time together. Let me just say this. I know that everybody's not in a place physically to go out and do physical work totally get that we'll have a prayer team on our campus but another way that that you can help 3g is you can give you can imagine 3g if i could say it this way is the most expensive sunday of the year for church of hope because we go out and all the different projects we're buying supplies and all the different things that we're doing right and it's also the lowest giving day of the year it's kind of we're out of our rhythm, right, and whatever it might be. If you would give generously, that's the way you can be a part of. You can support what's going to be happening on, on 3G Sunday. So thank you in advance for however you might give generously even for, for that. All right. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray over you. And um, I'm, at least for the need, right, it feels kind of <laughs> I just want to go on the record. I'm done talking about signs. This series has wore me out. I'm ready to go back to sleeping through the night. I'm ready to go back and not having people email me about what you got upset about or what all the different stuff. It had been a long seven weeks for a guy named Mark. It's okay. I'm not ashamed because it's God's word. But God's got a whole lot of other chapters that I can go and teach. So I is, and uh, we'll gather back on November seventh, and uh, I'm going to bring an encouraging message. I'm going to I'm going to show you how you can show up to heaven, not with your 401k, but I'm going to show you how you can show up with heaven, with uh, a crown or two that you would be able to give. Could you imagine? Could you imagine not just getting into heaven by the skin of your teeth? Which I mean, I get if you're not brushing your teeth, you got some film up there, so I understand. But for those of us who are flossing and brushing, I don't want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. Could you imagine all that Jesus has done for you? Waking up and saying, well, I made it. Whew. Rich, I made it. Hey, at least, hey, <laughs> some of you understand this, right? At least I graduated. Whew. It's by the skin of my teeth, but I walked. D's still passed. I'm out of here, right? But there will also, also be something. Can you? I'm going to show you how you can show up in heaven with crowns that you would be able to kneel before your Savior and say, this is for you, King Jesus. Father in heaven, bless your word. Bless these special men and women gathering on our campus and joining us online. May it be said because we gathered together today, we lifted our voices in prayer and adoration in worship. We opened up your word and now we step out into our lives to not just be hearers, but to be doers of that word. May it cause great glory and fame for your name and joy for all. I sure do love you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray.